0: Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible, and, well, welcome to 2020. I'm your host, Will DeWitt. I hope that you've had a great start to your, new year, to your new year, and, of course, this new decade. That brings with it a new opportunity as life as a Chicago Bears fan. I want to go ahead and bring on my co-host, Nicholas Moriano, who I know you started work up this week. You've been battling some congestion ever since our adventure at that Bears-Chiefs game. Uh, how have you been? Uh, You know, still battling that congestion, like you said, Will, but it's going well. Like you said,
1: I did start work this week. I actually start back uh, grad school tomorrow, so getting right back in the thick of things. And again, we're going back in the podcast, so everything's just starting up again.
0: Yeah, we're all back to that grind. And you know what? I'm actually excited for this episode because it's only been a week in January, but we actually have a handful of real news items that have happened since our last show that we get to discuss. So Nick, I'm actually excited to talk Bears football here in January 1st and they don't, they're not even in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I know. I mean, when you see other teams still continuing their season, it's good to really just talk
0: about your own team, even though they're not in the thick of things. Exactly. Now, with so much news happening with the Bears over the last week, we decided together that we're going to push back our annual award show, which we can admit can wait. I mean, who's really that eager to hand out awards for an 8-8 and season anyhow? Are you, Nick? Not really. No. Okay, I didn't think so. So I figured we had enough news. We didn't need to like cram it all in like a 20-minute segment. We can just take a full episode to discuss all of the items. And here is a rundown of the show, a of the show so you know what to expect in today's episode. Uh, first, we'll go ahead and quickly, and I mean briefly, we're going to hit on last week's press conference. Then we'll break down all of the coaching changes, uh, the four that were fired and plus the one new hire. And after that, we'll hit on two players, Eddie Jackson and his extension, as well as Kyle Long stepping away from the gridiron. So let's go ahead and begin, like I said, with last week's presser. And I mentioned, we'll keep this brief, and I think that's fair for two reasons. One, nobody really said anything of that much substance. And two, it Happened a week ago, so I'm sure you've already heard anything that's really going to have any level of merit. So, Nick, I'll hand it over to you first. I know you're watching this live and you're tweeting it out. What are some of the things that kind of, now that we're about a week removed, kind of stick with you from that presser? And, of course, I want to know your thoughts on Ryan Pace being adamant that Trubisky is that 2020 starter.
1: Yeah, so that's what I was going to bring up first, Uh, just watching the press conference live. And again, you could take this with a grain of salt. He was doubling and even like tripling down that Trubisky is the starter in 2020. He also said Mike Lennon was going to be the starter when he got the job. And obviously the Bears drafted Mitch Trubisky. So take it for what you want. But I think the more important thing is that at the time... Ryan Pace said they wouldn't commit to the fifth-year option. Pace said that the Bears are not at that point right now. So maybe that's the biggest takeaway from what Ryan Pace said really throughout the entire conference. But, yeah, it was interesting to just kind of hear him, again, double, triple down. Trubisky's a starter. And it seemed like they weren't even open to bringing in competition. Right. We'll see, though. We will really see uh, whether Pace's words and his actions kind of match up because that hasn't been the case over the years. So we'll see what actually ends up happening. But other than that, the only other like insightful news from this entire press conference was, I think, that Leonard Floyd, when asked about him and his play, again, Pace said he kind of liked what he saw from him. He does a lot of things that don't show up on the stat sheet. It could just be all talk. But really, other than that, well, I mean, there wasn't anything insightful. This is not the press conference where you're going to get all the bridges are burning down. We're going to get rid of Trubisky. We're going to bring in competition. That's not what was going to happen in this press conference. People who thought that, well, obviously you were disappointed. But that this is not the press conference for that.
0: Right. And what's interesting to me is – if, tell me if my memory serves me correctly, because when you said it it kind of clicked. Well, wasn't it like during training camp or right before camp and they're talking to Ryan Pace and they talked about Trubisky's like fifth year option and he was seeming a little bit more gung ho about it. And that talks were already in the works about like an extension.
1: I, I feel like that's I, I for some reason I have that memory as well. But again, I would have to go back and see that. But it is interesting now that how the narrative has kind of changed a little bit
0: exactly but like you said even if they say you know Rex Grossman is my quarterback using some lovey speak here it's it's one of those that you're not going to give away your hand. There's a lot of uh, you know variables that still need to play out, whether the quarterback market be a free agency, the draft. They need to you know publicly have his back, but privately, you better believe they are looking at bolstering that quarterback position. For me, the only other thing of substance was kind of the updates on injuries to some players and some off-season uh, surgeries. Roquan already got surgery on that torn pec. Uh, Taylor Gabriel had a surgery on his hip, which. This whole time we thought he was down with a concussion. Apparently, he's also dealing with a hip issue. I saw that Anthony Miller is getting more surgery on his shoulder, which I'm curious your thoughts, Nick, if that's concerning to you because two surgeries and two off-seasons on the same joint to me is a minor red flag. And then I also you hear that Trubisky will... Perhaps, probably, get one on his shoulder, which to me, again, no surprise. You're not going to have your quarterback wear a harness forever. He needs to go ahead and get that labrum fixed. But really, I think Anthony Miller is the big one there. Oh, and Trey Burton, too. He had surgery, so we're all set. But uh, the big one there for me, Anthony Miller, two off seasons. He's looking to get another surgery on that injured shoulder. Does that kind of concern you? Because to me, like I said, it, it already starts to have
1: yeah, he's uh, he's had a couple of injuries on that shoulder already, and what's what really sets back Anthony Miller is that he won't most likely be ready for the start of training camp i think they were saying that maybe that's the timeline to be there but still you got rehab and he's got to go through a very similar process that he did last off season when he had to get surgery as well so it's the same kind of process and we all look i noted early on like it, the connection between trubisky and miller mm-hmm. wasn't there throughout training camp
0: you it just took hope him a while the season too
1: absolutely so you just hope that doesn't linger and just kind of delay their connection this upcoming season in 2020. But realistically, it could be a factor as to maybe if Miller has another slow season. But yeah, I think that was, um, you know, something that was newsworthy in this press conference. And again, it happened on a kickoff. Cordell Patterson got injured earlier in the game against the Vikings. That's why Anthony Miller's out there. And, you know, having to get that surgery again, that same shoulder doesn't look good
0: no it doesn't and i think the biggest point that you actually brought up though is the fact that it would be another off season of rehab and not actually going through ota's mini camp and getting those reps that he needs His offense is needing to you know reestablish an identity really get itself fine-tuned, and it's a disappointment for him uh, to have another offseason where he's going to have to be on the sidelines and rehabbing instead of being a part of the offensive drills throughout the—well, until most of the offseason, like you said, training camp is what they're kind of aiming for for his return— And when I'm looking at everything else that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy was saying, I think one thing I wish they would have said is they should just been a little bit more transparent about some of the coaches that were just about to be fired a couple of hours later. They already knew that decision was going to happen. It was already been made. And, you know, I think, They should have said it for transparency. They should have said it for the fans to hear them, letting them know publicly a decision Uh, instead of kind of shying away from the questions that maybe would have arisen from those, you know, let-goes. That's maybe the one thing I wish they would have went ahead and just said. And we'll talk about those coaches and those firings in just a minute. But is there anything else uh, maybe, you know, your punch list that you're like, you know, if Matt Nagy would have just said blank, that probably would have, you know, went a long way. Or do you have anything like that?
1: You know what? Well, I want to you know, rehash kind of what you said. I mean, look, the bears knew exactly who they were going to fire. It was evident because it was released 30 minutes later after the press conference who got let go of their jobs. But look, the bears just didn't want to deal with the the media at that time. Like what was the reasoning? Why It almost seems like those guys were the fallout guys for what the bears couldn't do on offense, especially two of the guys that will talk about Helfridge and he with the running game. But yeah, I, I think that's just a, you know, it's a, Again, not it's not a good look, I would say, for the Bears to really do that, release the information a little bit later. Um, the only other thing that I want to mention is when, I forget what reporters, they were asking uh, Ryan Pace about the play calling and whether or not Matt Nagy was going to do it. Like, they really, or Ryan Pace really just beat around the bush when it came to answering questions about that. He didn't really answer the questions, but you would like to hear some actual responses to those questions because I still think that is a huge issue or maybe it's an issue going into 2020 just seeing the questionable play calling will Matt Nagy uh you know whoever this new offensive coordinator ends up being will he have more responsibility in the play calling or is it just going to be all Nagy again really Ryan Pace just kind of beat around the bush when being asked those questions
0: Yeah, I like it. I just need to be a little bit more upfront and honest at times, but it's not the way. This is very Bears-ish to kind of go about the way that they did here. But are you ready to move on to those coaches that were let go? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So again, I wish they would have said this during the press conference, but the Bears parted a ways with special teams coach Brock Olivo, tight ends coach Ke- Kevin Gilbride, offensive line coach Harry Heastand, and offensive coordinator Mark Helfrich. Heastand—he's already been replaced. We'll get to that higher soon. But Nick, what was your reaction to the news that these four coaches were let go? Um. So when I heard that,
1: uh, actually, I was—I think I had an IHOP, just eating breakfast—I saw all this all this news happening. But um. So for Mark Helfrich, I think with him, and then. Learning later from I think Adam Johns wrote an article from The Athletic that Helfrich and Stan were, um, according to him, responsible for the running game. Um, obviously, you know, Helfrich was brought in to help Mitch Trubisky with these RPOs, and we all know the struggles, the decision-making problems with those RPOs. I guess that one made sense, but I think when you look at it as a whole, you're bringing Mark Helfrich from Oregon obviously with that RPO system very spread and then Harry he uh all he's done at Notre Dame and what he can do with the offensive line I wonder if it's just bringing in two different kind of offensive line techniques to you know a you know to be cohesive it with the mm-hmm. Bears so maybe that just never worked out and to be completely honest with he I was expecting this offensive line to look great you know even in year one um, the O-line was good didn't commit a lot of penalties uh, it was kind of consistent, but the running game wasn't that impressive. 4.1 yards per carry, tied for 27th in the lead. That was 2018. Then they go down the next year, 3.7 yards per carry. So it makes sense that the Bears kind of wanted to look for something else at that position. Again, it could also be just naggy in the play calling that where you need to just pinpoint two guys to maybe take the blame. So it was surprising, and then it wasn't because you saw – the lapses in this offense all season. Someone needed to lose their job, and it wasn't going to be Matt Nagy.
0: Right. No, you hit a lot of good points in terms of, you know, why there may have been some friction in there, and why we were seeing such a discrepancy there. But obviously it wasn't working. Uh, the Bears running attack, I mean, this whole offense wasn't working. But the rushing attack in particular was one that, I mean, we, we broke down each and every game. We previewed every game. We knew just how, you know, poor those efforts were on the offense for me. The one maybe surprised and uh, not really a total surprise, but maybe a mild one was uh, tight end coach Kevin Gilbride. Uh, because I know that position, it severely lacked production. Uh, I actually saw a little bit before we went live, I was looking at like the budgets from last year. The Bears had the fourth highest tight end budget in the NFL last season. And of course, we had one of, if not the least productive tight end units in all of football this past season. So I guess I can see why you have to let him go. But I don't think it's really his fault that, you know, Trey Burton had to miss the vast majority of the season with an injury. They had to give him Adam Shaheen to work with, a Bradley Sowell who's transitioning from an offensive tackle to tight end. So I think there's some other parts of the equation here. So this is why it's a slight surprise, but... Just like you said, someone had to go, and perhaps uh, the Bears can retool here, get a coach that can get more out of the tight ends. And maybe on top of this, the fact that Dave Ragone's still here is one that has me scratching my head just a little bit because he's the only carryover from John Fox where he was, so he was able to stay around. Uh, he was able to survive the cuts here on the offensive step. Staff, despite having a quarterback uh, that was just well below the league average, like across the board. I don't know if he's like secretly like a cockroach and he just can't die Uh and he can stay around forever, or maybe he has you know something special about him that we don't know about. But what are what are your thoughts on Dave Ragone sticking around?
1: Yeah, it's because look, you see the regression from the offensive line. The offensive line coach goes. The running game goes. Mark Helfrich is gone. You see the regression, obviously, from the tight ends and really. Kevin Gilbride, I had a lot of you know high hopes for him because just what I saw with Evan Ingram, what he did with New York Giants, that rookie tight end, giving me hope that maybe you could do something with the tight ends here in Chicago. Never happened. But then you see Dave Ragone keeps his job, but there's also regression and a lot of it from the quarterback position. So, yeah, that was an interesting one. I think maybe they're just trying to keep as much continuity as they can between Ragone Naggy and Trubisky because obviously we all know there's a lot invested in the number two overall pick. So you keep the quarterbacks coach. He doesn't have to learn from somebody new because they're trying to get the most out of him in 2020 because like that press conference said, well, he's their starter. So I think that's <laughs> what they're trying to go with. But we'll see what ends up happening. Obviously, Dave Ragone is here. Um, it, it was interesting, though, that you let go a bunch of people that saw aggression from their players at that position, but Dave Ragone stays.
0: Yeah, I mean, I get if, you know, the relationship between Ragone and Trubisky is strong, you want to keep that established, but in terms of a coaching standpoint, did you see Mitch taking strides with his mechanics or anything of that nature this year compared to the season prior? To me, not really. So I'm a little confused why you don't bring someone in to maybe that Trubisky will listen to a little bit more or it has a different style because obviously, I mean, it wasn't working, but they have hope that it will. We'll see how this kind of plays out. But that was one that kind of had me uh, scratching my head just a little bit. And like we said... Uh, Mark Helfrich, Harry he they're the ones in charge of that running game. Uh, just to put it in perspective, this season it ranked 27th in yards, 29th in yards per attempt, 28th in rushing touchdowns. And it's good to see some accountability here, and obviously change is needed. The Bears must have known exactly who they wanted because they didn't waste any time, Nick, in hiring Juan Castillo as their new offensive line coach. He has 24 years of NFL coaching experience under his belt. His most recent gig was the offensive line coach slash run game coordinator in Buffalo. He spent two seasons there. Uh, During that time, the Bills ranked sixth in the NFL in rushing and fifth in averaging uh, the next year and averaged over 125 yards per game. Now Castillo and Nagy they worked together as assistants in Philadelphia. So Nick, I want to know how you feeling about Harry Heaston's replacement. Appears promising. Do you think he can help a regressed offensive line rebound in 2020?
1: Yeah, actually, just kind of looking up some research, some videos on Juan Castillo, I like what he brings. He's got this energy to him, um, just uh, just watching what he did in Buffalo and seeing the, the productivity from there. I think that can give Bears fans hope that maybe this run game can get back on track because I think when you look at this offensive line, really, you have to replace your right guard. Maybe, I obviously, draft some tackles as well. But I think there's still enough there to get some – Productivity out of the guys in the backfield, Tariq Cohen and David Montgomery. But I I do like Castillo. I like the hire. What was interesting, and I don't think you normally see this from any coaches, he actually served as the Eagles' defensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. Yes, and this is actually after being at, you know, for 13 seasons as the offensive line coach for the Eagles. Then they promote him to defense coordinator for the 2011-2012 season and he actually took over for sean mcdermott who is uh the head coach for the bills so i thought that was just really interesting that juan castillo can even one be an option to do that after being an offensive line coach and i mean they really he wasn't very good at it he ended up getting fired midway through the next season but still
0: and he knows football enough to get the
1: chance Exactly. So Andy Reid thought, "Hey, let me hire within the organization. See if this Eagles defense can, you know, respond, you know, accordingly to Juan Castillo being the coordinator." And I think, for the most part, I was reading an article about it, they they were up and down, but he did get fired midway through the season. Interesting though that Juan Castillo even has that football knowledge to even go to the other side of the football to be a defense coordinator.
0: Yeah, no, that's really impressive. Again, end results may not have been. Exactly what he was hoping for, but still uh it's really oh. intriguing to see that football knowledge. Uh, you mentioned uh that he has a group here in Chicago, and this question is probably better served on a say the franchise episode, but I'll pose it for now, and I don't need specifics, but do you believe that Castillo's starting five is currently on the roster because I don't think the starting five will be on the roster I think you're going to either have a new guard and new tackle, or at least a new right guard at bare minimum this season. But it could be Alex Bars. We don't know that, but I'm seeing them picking up someone via the draft, uh, perhaps in free agency they can fulfill this role. Uh, So for me, I think there's going to be an outsider starting, but do you think the starting five is already on the roster? Uh, Actually, I don't, because if you look at
1: Kyle Long and we'll get to his situation, he's most likely not going to be brought back, obviously because he's retiring. Um, And then also Rashad Coward, is not under contract for next season, so technically looking Neither into twenty twenty, Ted Larson, you got to bring him back. So they're really there's a vacant spot at right guard, and obviously you need five guys to play the offensive line there. So I think they do ha- they have to bring somebody else in. I think they resign one of those guys, either Coward or Larson. I'm kind of leaning towards Larson, even though he's older, and I I think I've seen enough of Coward in that experiment to know it's not working. I'll go with the solidified backup, you know, right guard and Larson. But yeah, I agree with you. I don't think that the starting five is, or well, the
0: right guard position is currently on this roster. So you don't think it'll be Alex Barrs? I just want to make sure we're it, it's early. I don't care. I'm just, I'm just curious. It's January. No, Humor yeah, me. I
1: don't, yeah, I don't think it'll be Alex Barrs to start off. I think they definitely go get somebody else with more experience,
0: or they draft somebody. All right, all right. I'm humored. Appreciate it. Now, there's been some chatter out there that the Bears may not even bring in a true offensive coordinator to replace Mark Helfrich. Instead, it could be Matt Nagy remaining in charge of the passing game and having Castillo be the man who's in charge of the rushing attack. And the two of them would, in theory, fulfill the offensive coordinator role together. Now, I want to know your thoughts on this possibility, Nick, because I can see it being hard to bring in a top name that you're hearing out there, like a Pat Shermer, just to see the fact that Nagy's probably going to want to keep that play calling, you know, close to his chest and not let it go. So that could kind of hinder some of your options, because obviously if if I'm a free agent offensive coordinator to be in the NFL, I want to go out there and have a lot of input in the offensive scheme. And more than likely, I want to call plays because I want to give my shot to become a head coach as well. And to kind of prove I can do uh play calling in this league, but with Matt Nagy doing it, I wonder if that would kind of limit the overall pool for offensive coordinators that would come to Chicago. Uh, so just curious your thoughts on well, all of that. Yeah. So I think that Matt Nagy's, I don't know if it's
1: stubbornness or just want the, want to call his own plays. I think that does limit what you can do because I think Pat Shermer would be a, you know, a viable candidate to be the OC in Chicago. I, Obviously, you have the Andy Reid ties, the, the offense being somewhat similar, but Pat Shermer is not going to come to Chicago if he's not going to have a big part in the offense, meaning calling plays, because Matt Nagy wants to do that. There's no way. He was just a head coach, you know, obviously with the New York Giants. He's not going to take a step, step back at just being an OC and kind of what, being the run game coordinator or just being a, a someone in Matt Nagy's ear. Maybe you should do this, but... I doubt that that would happen. What I'm thinking is going to happen, Matt Nagy is going to hire maybe a younger kind of guy that maybe would be willing to be that – they'll have the the title, the position, offensive coordinator, but you're not really the offensive coordinator. That's why maybe um, if it does pan out, a Mike Kafka, who's on the Kansas City Chiefs right now, as the quarterback's coach, he would make a lot of sense for the Bears – offensive coordinator position, but again he's just a quarterback's coach, you have to also be able to contribute as run game coordinator, or the passing game you can't just be a guy that helps out the quarterbacks, because you already have Dave Ragone here so, it's a very interesting kind of situation the Bears are in, because we don't know what Matt Nagy's willing to do at his current position, so yeah, I think it does, Like to answer your question I think it does limit who wants to come to Chicago, and especially because look Mitch Trubisky is the quarterback. I'm sure a lot of people around the league are looking at that situation like, well, is this quarterback even good enough regardless of what plays I call to where I'm going to get the most out of him and maybe get, like you said, a promotion somewhere else because it all comes down to the quarterback actually playing well.
0: Yeah, and of course, (laughs) the caveat is if you believe you have to come in and you're married to Trubisky, is that the guy that gets me fired and I end up looking (laughs) for another job in this league and maybe a demotion and going backwards in my career. So there's a lot of interesting variables here, Nick, for sure. But I think if the Bears say, say they opt out, of the offensive coordinator. That's really interesting for Matt Nagy next season because really you would put all the responsibilities for that offense success or failure right on him. Like no scapegoating, no Mark Helfrich, no Harry Heastan. It's on him. He made that, he would have, he would have made that decision. I'm not saying he will. Um, But of course, if the offense doesn't take that next step to where it needs to be, I mean, it would all fall at the you know the feet of Matt and Aggie, so we would live or die by it, but it would be a way for him to take some accountability, uh, you would hope next off season if it did have to come down to it at all. Is there anything else you want to mention on any of the coaching changes one way or the other, or just general thoughts right here uh, on it?
1: Yeah, just to kind of go back to Harry Heastan, um, like I said, I did expect more out of him as the offensive line coach. But you also have to consider that there's a bunch of just fluctuation on that offensive line. Hey, we're going to have James Daniels at center. We're going to have Cody White here at left guard. Oh, we're going to switch him again. So he dealt with a lot there. Obviously, you lose your right guard and Kyle Long. I still think that Harry Heastan is a great coach. I think I just expect a little bit more considering just the mystique and, you know, the greatness that he's, you know, just been about for his entire career but obviously didn't play um dividends here in chicago but wherever he goes next i'm sure he'll do great things but you have to also just remember there was a bunch of revolving pieces i would Mm -hmm. say on this offensive line and learning a new scheme and things like that and so just consider that when you see that harry he's got fired it probably wasn't just his fault obviously but there there's a bunch of things happening as well
0: Yeah, I don't want to sit here and have a gripe fest about everything that went wrong about the season. (laughs) That's what the award show is going to be about, not that's what that's for. Not kidding kind of. But all right, let's go ahead and let's move on from coaches. And let's take a look at some recent updates on some players. And we got to begin with someone who's not going anywhere anytime soon. And that's Eddie Jackson. He signed an extension towards the end of last week. It's a four-year deal worth over $58 million and $33 million of which is guaranteed. Now, obviously, Nick, the Bears got the deal done on the very first day that they were allowed to do this. So it's something that Must have been decided, uh, you know, bartered and agreed to probably some time ago. But just with a flick of a pen, Eddie Jackson, he became the highest paid safety in the NFL. My question to you, Nick, and it's a loaded question, but it's purposeful. Is it is he worth every penny? I think Eddie Jackson is worth every penny. Look, he didn't have the numbers that he did in
1: his all-pro 2018 season where he had six interceptions, returned two interceptions for touchdowns, a 65-yard fumble return touchdown. But teams were reluctant to throw Eddie Jackson's way. And you also got to factor in, Eddie Jackson, just looking at this season, 2019 compared to his 2018 season, he didn't line up at that free safety spot where you're going to have more opportunities to make those big time plays as he did. um I tweeted out earlier when he got this contract extension. A Jackson snaps by position according to PFF in 2019, he played in the box 113 more snaps than he did in 2018. He also lined up at free safety 112 more times in 2018. So obviously, safety's got Play both positions, but A. Jackson just had a lot more opportunities in his 2018 season. So that could be as to why he was able to get more of those big, impactful plays. So when you look at A. Jackson, though, he can read where the quarterback's eyes are going. He has elite range. Great ball skills. He is everything you could want in a safety. And even looking at this 2019 season, I think he got better as a tackler. There were a couple games where you're like, look at Eddie Jackson. He's in the box making a big tackle in the backfield. He actually had a career high in tackles for loss with five this season. So we're seeing the maybe evolution of Eddie Jackson's game. And I think, if anything, 2019 just kind of showed – He could do a little bit more than what we initially thought in 2018. I expect him now to be more at the free safety position come 2020. And again,
0: those turnovers, those impactful plays to go up as well. All right. I mean, obviously, this is a no-brainer for the Bears to keep Eddie Jackson in. and I still love that uh, you and I were able to go to the uh, coming-out party of Eddie Jackson, that Bears-Jaguars game when he had those—Jaguars, uh, nope, wrong year— Bears-Panthers game uh, when uh, he had those two touchdowns in that game. That was really cool to be a part of, and now he's here. Uh, Becoming the highest paid safety in the NFL. And by golly, you know, one of those safeties that we've been dreaming of here in Chicago for the decade prior to this one. So it's exciting to keep Eddie Jackson around and obviously drafting and retaining the top guys that you draft is key in the NFL for you know sustained success uh, and on top of this, I mean imagine if they would have let him hit the open market in a year what that contract could end up looking like so obviously it's a very hefty contract but it's one that the value could have just continued to rise if they would have let it kind of play out a little bit more and don't forget, you have to put the assist to Kyle Fuller here who did rework his deal a little bit to open up some more cap uh, to help get this thing done so the secondary guys are definitely uh, sticking together which is very exciting for sure. And Nick, you talked about it. New deal, bigger deal. That leads to new and higher expectations. So when you're looking at Eddie Jackson in the future, and you mentioned seeing him playing a little bit more at the free spot, uh, how does he live up to this deal in your mind? Does he need to have, you know, seasons where he's having, you know, four to five to six interceptions consecutively with multiple touchdowns and all these huge playmaking plays, a solid player, but, Obviously, we've seen Eddie Jackson in all facets, but how does he live up to this deal? Because he does need to you know, raise his play. He can't just take this as a payday and like, all right, I'm paid. I'm good to go. You have to still get better and prove because you pay a guy what you believe he's going to be worth, not what he's currently worth today. So how does he live up to the new deal? Yeah, a
1: big way of just proving to this new deal that he's worth it is just being on the field. And for the most part, A. Jackson's been able to do that. It was at the end of that Packers game in 2018 where he missed some time, but – just being on the field and still doing what he's doing. I think the plays, the interceptions will come. He's just that type of player. There's a there's a lot of factors as to why A. Jackson didn't have, you know, the interception tolls that he had in 2018 or the impactful plays. One, look at the lack of pass rush. That forced mm-hmm. quarterbacks to throw the ball a little bit earlier than expected. And you know a guy like A. Jackson – the opportunistic you know, risk-taker that he is, he's going to be on the better end of some of those quick passes if he gets those opportunities. Well, the Bears just, as a team, did not get enough of a pass rush to really maybe have their secondary, secondary more involved in some of these bigger plays. So I think Eddie Jackson, he, he just needs to keep doing what he's doing. He's a well-coached uh, player. He has, like I said, that elite range. He's going to get more opportunities next season. The Bears just need to... Again, have that pass rush. I think when Akeem Hicks went down, that affected every layer of the defense, including Eddie Jackson, who is the farthest man on this defense. But if they get that pass rush, I think you'll see those numbers, those impact plays go up for Eddie
0: Jackson. All right, now Eddie Jackson, done deal. I'm excited to see how this all kind of turns out, but obviously the Bears have some time where they can look and maybe rework some additional deals, either um, extending some players that are still have like a year left under a contract, looking at Allen Robinson there for a prime candidate, at least in my opinion, or maybe trying to get a couple deals done with some impending free agents before they kind of hit the open market. And it's really important on defense. You have HaHa Clinton Dix. Danny Trevathan, Noah Kukowski, Kevin Pierre-Lewis. I mean, any inside linebacker not named uh, Roquan Smith pretty much at this point is set to hit this open market. And, yeah, I purposely omitted uh, Joel E.A. Booney way. But that said, Nick, uh, I want to know who is the very top of your short list for an extension. My guy is A-Rob. I already mentioned it. I would love to see him get a deal done where he can be the number one wide receiver here in Chicago uh, to kind of close out his career or at least the next maybe three to four seasons, because I think he's proved that he can be that guy. And I want to continue. I just love the guy on and off the field. So for those reasons, he's the top of my list. He's a clutch wide receiver in this league. And you have to imagine what he can do with some more adequate quarterback play as well. But do you have someone who kind of takes the top of your list for future extensions?
1: You know, I mean, obviously, Alan Robinson would be a guy that is on the top of that list. But I think if you're looking at, you know, good value for lesser money, I would think Kevin Pierre-Lewis would be a guy that you want to have on your team, especially because you don't know what the situation is going to, how the situation is going to play out with Dane Trevathan, who is in need of a new contract. I think Nick Krakowski, to be completely honest, played himself into a bigger contract with the way he played for the Bears, you know, when he was asked to be the starter, so I don't know if the Bears can really you know, keep – they're either going to have to get rid of – they're signing one of the one of the two guys, Trevathan or Krakowski. So it's going to be interesting how that plays out. But Kevin Pierre-Lewis, when he was asked to be the starter, the Bears didn't miss a beat at that position. I know he had a couple of bad plays when it came to running into the punter, and he had two of them this season. But when asked to play that inside linebacker position – I thought he excelled at it. It was He is a guy that, again, sideline to sideline, knows his responsibilities, is a veteran. That's another guy that you can possibly see a contract be given out to because of how he played late in the season. Another guy that, it, look, it makes sense whether the Bears will do this or not, but they're kind of forced to just because they don't have a lot of options is Leonard Floyd. And here, I'll tell you why. He's going to be owed – the fifth-year the, the fifth option is going to be around $13.2 million. I know that sounds like a lot, but look what is behind Leonard Floyd at this moment. You have Cleo Mack, Isaiah Irving, what, a James Vodders that signed on the practice squad, guys that you can't really rely on. So maybe what they can do for Leonard Floyd, not give him that fifth-year option, but maybe a multi-year kind of security deal where you can get – like a little less over the next couple of years. If of course Floyd needs to agree to that, but that could make sense. I know Floyd has not had, has not lived up to expectations whatsoever, but it would just make sense because there's just not a lot of people at that outside linebacker position outside the two starting guys, Floyd and Mac.
0: That's an interesting one. I kind of get your cap hit down with Floyd though, next season. Uh, again, whether or not he would be worth, however much he would ask to get paid for the next maybe like an extra four-year extension, uh, it's definitely a topic for the say the franchise episode. We can get into that uh, all night long if you wanted to, Nick. But we have, of course, some other items to get to. But I do want to do the you know the flip side of this. Who's the top of your chopping block? Which technically this does give away an award for our next show. Technically. But so be it. I don't care. Uh, for me, it's going to be Prince of Mucamara. I think the Bears would save $9 million in the cap next season if he doesn't come back. Uh, you got to look at tight end, too. Uh I mentioned the fourth highest tight end budget last year with that current roster. Obviously, there's going to be some decisions made there. But, yeah, I think if I had to choose a guy where it's like, hey, you know, uh, no offense, but it would be Prince of Mucamara. I think that you can replace him for someone on a lower deal, uh, not such a big cap hit, and the defense should be fine, whether it's Kevin Tolliver in-house or another free agent pickup like we saw last year with Buster. I think those are some guys that we can kind of, well, a guy that we can kind of move on from and I think benefit from in the long run. Do you have anyone atop of your chopping block?
1: Yeah, so just to kind of go back to Prince of Mookamora, according to Kevin Fishbane, cutting him would mean only one million of dead money but it would create eight million in cap space so um, yeah so I mean again it creates a lot of money for the Bears at that position but do you count on Kevin Tolliver to be that guy so again questions for this Bears coaching staff and we'll get into that at a further time but I think when I was kind of filling out for the awards show I had two guys on this list and I'm not gonna say they're the to cut them right away but they're in the front runner positions And I'll just give away one. I think Adam Shaheen's the guy right now where you're looking at the Bears. Look, they just signed a tight end. I'm blanking on the name right now. Not meaning that he's going to take Adam Shaheen's spot, but Adam Shaheen is in a bad position right now. One, he can't stay healthy. He doesn't produce. And, yes, he is under contract for his rookie year, but that man needs to show something because the Bears are going to probably bring in some tight ends. And if they – outperform him in training camp, OTA, whatever, Adam Shaheen will be gone. I don't think the Bears – look, it's not going to be a huge cap hit, but the Bears are going to look at any way they can increase and get some productivity out of the tight end position. So, Adam Shaheen, watch out.
0: Watch out, Adam Shaheen. Yeah, uh, when you mentioned the two problems, he can't stay on the field and he can't produce when he's on the field – It just makes a little bit too much sense uh, when you kind of boil it down to its two main points there for Adam Shaheen. But all right, let's go ahead. Let's move on to the final talking point of the show, and let's just tip our caps to Kyle Long. He announced his retirement Sunday night on Twitter. The 2013 first-round pick ends his career as a Chicago Bear for life. After starting his career with three straight Pro Bowl trips, in which those three years he played over 97% of all teams' offensive snaps, injuries just kind of took a hold of Long only played more than eight games only once in his final four years of this career. He finished his career making the second-team All-Pro once in 2014, but Kyle Long was more than just that. He was a life force. He was the heart and soul of this offense. It was evident on his first career game that he was a bear when he got into the face of that Bengals defense, defending him and protecting Jay Cutler. Now, of course... Another Kyle Long memory I have is him trying to rally his teammates after being taken off the field on a cart against Tampa Bay in 2016. He was a great emotional leader, um, but after the injuries, it just kind of took it away and his ate at his skill set. To me, it was no surprise that Kyle Long, this is the end of him as a football player, and he's always going to be a Chicago Bear. But with what a great personality he has and all the other talents that he has out there, I'm excited to see what is the next chapter for Kyle Long. But Nick... Looking at Kyle Long's career, his retirement announcement, anything you want to just kind of say about him or anything you just want to put out there? Because, I mean, he's been here, you know, ever since we started this podcast. uh, He's been here since before that, and he's been a guy that we've always been uh, very high on, a lot of Bears fans have. He's someone that we always connected with because he really always embodied what it meant to be a Chicago Bear, and it's always a shame to watch a player's career kind of get derailed by injuries. Seems like that's another Chicago thing. How it's another sport for a different day. But does any thoughts on Kyle Long uh, hanging up the cleats? Yeah. So, I mean, Kyle Long
1: just, he he was a warrior to be, I mean, to put it into, you know, simple terms. I mean, he sacrificed his body and he played on some Bears teams that were, you know, realistically forgettable. Again, making the Pro Bowl in his first three seasons, being able or willing to. To switch positions to play right tackle a couple days before the twenty fifteen season began. That shows again that he's all about the team and Kyle Long's willing to give it all his body for you know the Chicago Bears organization. And I think when people look back to this draft pick being a guy from Oregon, didn't even um you know play many games there, he only started seven there, Will. But still I think you can look at Kyle Long and say, that was a successful draft pick despite all the time he missed because look at all the other first-round draft picks Ryan Pace has drafted, Kevin White, Mitch Trubisky. I mean, they're guys that are not right. looking like so they're going to sure, pan hold out. On.
0: I want to make sure because this one was Phil Emery, so this one was a different GM. Did you say that?
1: Uh, well, I just said first-round picks. I'm sorry. Um, first-round okay, picks so. that have been drafted by the Bears that have just not panned out and fizzled out. Kyle Long at least produced some high-caliber Seasons, and I think you can look back at that and appreciate what he did for this Bears organization. Did you know, Will? And I was just reading some articles on Kyle Long, obviously with the retirement news coming out. That, according to an article on MLB.com, uh, he was actually drafted by the White Sox in the twenty-third round in uh, yes. two thousand eight. First, I, I didn't know that. I don't know how okay. I missed that. But um, as a left-handed pitcher, again, it just kind of shows the athletic freak that Kyle Long. You know, was and what he was able to do and why he's able to transition from right guard, to you know, the right or yeah, right guard to right tackle a couple days before the season starts. So, again, a very athletic, very physical when he was healthy, one of the most dominant guards in the league. I I think so. But yeah, I think it's good that he is recognized. Hey, there's a life outside of football. And he recognized that early enough to where hopefully his body is not going to fail him later on. Get healthy now. There's so much life to be, you know, to live. And I'm glad that he, you know, stepped away the, stepped away from the game, not maybe on his own power. The Bears kind of, you know, forced his hand by, you know, uh, taking him out after that. What was the Raiders game, kind of? Mm-hmm. Um, and he never played again. But, again, uh, hope Kyle Long gets healthy, enjoys his retirement.
0: He deserves it. And really, I like I said, I think this is just uh, ending, and he's opening up and working towards the next chapter of his life. And with as big as a personality that he has, and how much he loves to interact on social media, I know he does Twitch a lot. I mean, he could become a streamer kind of guy, that's a streamer celebrity, and really build a Kyle Long brand that is known outside of football, but more in the, the esports or you know, just, you know, online gaming in general. So I'm really excited to see what he can do. Maybe he becomes like a TV personality, like his dad. You know, he has it in him. So it'd be really interesting to see, you know, what's next for Kyle Long. But whatever it is, I know he's going to, you know, kick its ass because it's what Kyle Long always does. He always attacks it, life by the horns. And I'm I'm grateful that he was a Chicago Bear. Again, not the way you want to see a guy have to go, just going down, uh, having injuries kind of derail, which was a very promising first few years here in Chicago. But... Yeah, really just appreciate everything they he's done. Anything else, Nick? No, that's
1: about it. Uh, again, I'm seeing the chat here. Uh, my mistake, it wasn't Pace who drafted him. Just wanted to say the for- first-round picks in general haven't been good for yeah, the Bears. Give but Phil
0: Emery it- his damn due, Nick.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I'll give him his due. Um, but, yeah, Kyle <laughs> Long, a good – like, I agree with you, Will. A good pick by the Bears. Menelots franchise. And I can definitely see him. I think it was during the Cowboys game he was doing a Twitch Live – Kind of breakdown of the bears game and i was just listening to him while watching the bears play the cowboys giving a lot of insight on you know the play-by-plays what he's expecting the line to do he i could definitely see kyle Long having a career somewhere in the media kind of doing stuff like that or you know being a video he's a big video game player he could do that as well so yeah kyle Long has a bright future i'm sure we'll see him you know in no time
0: on tv somewhere and I just have one. Well, I asked people, hey, if you want a message, uh, we got one earlier on Twitter. A lot of people like to tweet. I don't know if they read the instructions all the way through. I think they just heard <laughs> that we're talking about Kyle Long. Like, that's great. I want to listen to you. I'll hit the heart and we'll move on. But uh, one man came through. His name's Kenneth, and he just shared his tweet that he gave Kyle. He says, man, I thought you are just taking a year off, but now I can clearly see that you're retiring. I must say thank you for all the memories. Thank you for always riding the Bears and your teammates. Always respected your toughness, bear down and best of luck to you in your next chapter. Very well said Kenneth, but Nick, I feel like we're pretty caught up on all things bears over this first week of January. Anything that we missed over this week? No, I think, uh, all the
1: news and I'm glad there actually was news to talk about this week. Will, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I think everyone's caught up who, who listened and watched this live and we'll listen later, but yeah, we'll be back. We'll, Keep talking bears throughout the off-season. Keep everyone still up to date on hopefully the more news that comes out. It's a motto we used to keep when we had a
0: different. Does a robot know you like a neighbor?
1: Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere,
0: with most standard algorithm, in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services... Getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Branding, uh, keeping you the most informed Bears fans since 2015. That's what we do. I got one final question for you. What game are you looking forward to most this weekend in the divisional round?
1: Oh, well, I'm looking forward to that Eagles. or not Eagles. Sorry, Seahawks. See, Yeah, Seahawks-Packers game. Uh, I, I mean... We gotta hope that the the Seahawks take care of business, but those two usually have some pretty competitive playoff games,
0: just in years past. But go Hawks! Yeah, absolutely. I'm surprised you didn't choose uh, Chiefs Texans. Oh man, I can only imagine
1: what Twitter is going to be like. The, I think uh, who was it? Matt Miller. Uh, claimed it or named it the Trubisky Bowl between those two. So Twitter is going to be just an awful place to be if you're a Bears fan when that when those two, Deshaun Watson and Patrick
0: Mahomes, duel it out. But yeah, I, I will be interested
1: in watching that one to see how those two do.
0: Same here. I think the one I'm most excited for, though, will be Tennessee and Baltimore. I was telling you a little bit before we went live how much I've really been – Uh, enjoying watching Tennessee play football over the last couple of months here. And I've seen them win every type of a game imaginable. I've seen them make comebacks. I've seen them hang on and fight through comebacks. I've seen them hold on to the Patriots in a really gritty slugfest in the second half. I've seen them hang in in shootouts. This team can win in a lot of ways. I love how they're running the ball right now. I love how they're playing some nasty defense. It's the Chicago Bear fan in me, right? Running the ball, really good defense. But, uh, as much as I've been loving to watch Lamar Jackson play this year as well, Nick, I think Tennessee—if they, they can, you know, hold Pat—they have a good chance in this one. And if so, like I said, I may put some money on Tennessee before this week's over, uh, just to potentially, you know, ride the hot train that is the Titans right now. But that's the game that I'll be most excited for as well. All right, well, that's going to do it, Bears fans. I want to thank you all who listen to the podcast live. Of course, if you're listening to the podcast, as a fact, we appreciate each and every one of you here in our first ever episode of 2020. We'll be back here soon for our annual end-of-the-season award show. I know we're we're procrastinating. Again, no one wants to give out on the awards for an 8 and 8 season, but, Nick, we did it for a 3-and-13 year, so God forbid we can do it for an 8 and 8 season as well. So who will win our season MVB? What's going to be my monster moment of the year? What will Nick's Moriano minute for the final one of the 2019 season be on? He doesn't even know yet. But you'll know, <laughs> and you'll find out soon on our next episode and all of our awards next time. But until then, bear down, Chicago. <laughs>